Okay, welcome back, everybody, everybody, every one of you, back to the Philosopher's Stone podcast, uh, where I can't tell if I'm getting dumber or smarter week by week, but uh, I'm, I'm glad to have you, Sam. Sam Laboon, say hello to the fans, to the people. Oh, hey. Hello, everyone. Glad to know that I am having a uh, an indeterminate effect on your intelligence. Mm-hmm. Very, uh, very casual as usual, Sam. Uh, today we're doing what? What are we doing today? Are we doing an e- a listener email uh, uh, focus podcast? Is that what we decided on? Uh, yeah, few... I'm, yeah, I'm like very hungover, so I didn't do any research today. Oh, what happened? Yeah, uh, it was uh, about- Hannah. <laughs> it was Hannah's birthday, and we mm-hmm. did. Uh, a beer flight game mm-hmm. where you, so we had like 15, no, we had like 16 different beers, five oh. sours, five ciders, and five IPAs. That's a recipe and, for a hangover for sure. Yeah. And the ciders all have like a ton of added sugar in them. They're all disgusting. Ugh, gross. And, sugar is the worst. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. So, like, what you had to do is, Someone would have like a key and they would pour the beers and they would know which beer was which. Right. But nobody else would know which beer was which. And then you have to drink all of them and guess which one was which. So, <laughs> um, so Hannah came in first place. Mm-hmm. Her friends came in second place, tied for second place. And then I came in last place. I got two out of 16. Oh my God. <laughs> That's just <laughs> embarrassing. I'm surprised she didn't break up with you, man. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad, but got really, really drunk. I had a great time getting shit faced on a Monday. And then woke up. Eh? Did, oh my god! Have stuff to do today. Yeah, and then I, yeah, I had a class at nine in the morning. Ugh, dude, fuck that! I'm past that. Yeah. I can't do hungover days anymore. If I have to work <laughs> the next day, I'm not getting drunk the night before. I just, I've, I've lived yeah. that hell too many times already in my life, and uh, I'm over it. It's it's not worth it to me. Unless, I mean, I would make exceptions for, like, say there was, like, a, some sort of concert or something, or a, com- a comedian, you know, that I really wanted to see, and they were on a weekday night, then I might. Mm. But honestly, in that scenario, chances are, when I wake up, I'm calling in sick, right? I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that eight-hour dance with the devil the next day, where you're just... So that everybody knows you're hungover. It's not like... It's just, no, I'm not doing it. Also, the, the one job that was fine to be hung over at, which was, uh, it still sucked because you had to be on your feet for eight hours straight. But when I worked at the brewery, because you just walk in and drink a beer and you're like back, back in it. <laughs> not a lot of regulations yeah. at that. Then, man, the alcohol flowed pretty freely there. What's that? The alcohol flowed pretty freely there. There was no regulations at that. It was a brand new brewery. They just started like a year before I started working. They had no protocols in place. They had no, uh, like, um, <laughs> sorry, I just cut out there for a second. My cat is running past the power cord. Uh, I had no, oh my God. Uh, they had no regulations in place. They had no uh, uh, company policies. I, they actually tried to put me in charge of coming up with a, a rule book, which is like, you don't put, you don't put a 23 year old. Booze hound in charge of making the rules at a brewery. 
but it was definitely everybody drinking all day, driving around forklifts and shit. It's, it's amazing. That's a terrible thing happened. But they didn't get shut down. The place was literally held together with duct tape. But I will say, before they they had promoted me, uh, there it was such a fun job. It's just once you get it's one of those things where we got I got ended up with too much responsibility and I could no longer just have fun there. You know what I mean? Mm. Worked myself up the ladder yeah. to a rung that I did not like. And once you go up, it's hard to go back down because then they're just they're like, oh, we're trying to give you that extra boost. Career. That, was, that was what my boss would always say to me. Like, you can do this as a career. I don't want to. But I didn't say it in this space, but he was definitely pushing me to become a uh, brewer. You know what? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go back. Brewmaster. Maybe I'll go back. No, maybe I'll. Like, I do have. The experience I used to do the brews myself. I know what it's like to work in a cellar and how to, you know, I know all of the b- basics to working in a brewery. Maybe I should go apply at one that isn't held together by duct tape and run by a bunch of drunk teens. Hey, if that's your life, brewing beer, then you know you got to seize that opportunity. Well, it's just I've been looking, my, I've been eyeing the door on this whole tray thing because I just. And already, I'm two days into this week. I'm already getting my ass kicked. I'm just it's different. It's it's been a while because like the last uh, I don't know since COVID. Essentially, it's either I haven't been working or I've been working in a big company where I don't have really anyone to answer to. I'm just kind of another number, another cog in the wheel. Um, so mm-hmm. it's like I didn't have a whole lot of uh, direct accountability. Which was actually, I mean, it suited me fine. I, I don't need to be the, the gung-ho guy, but now I'm working for one dude who owns the company, so it's like I'm directly under the CEO, I guess. And uh, so yeah. every mistake I make, I hear directly from the owner of the business, which is like, it's, it's stressful. But that way, I'm doing nine, ten-hour days. Oh, I see what you mean. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, do you get overtime? Uh, only if I go over 40 for the week. So often if I go do like a 10-hour day earlier on the week, then I'll take a short day later. So I don't know. I've actually had an iron out but that was a brand new company they just started up. Mm. Um, but I don't know if I'm suited for this type of work. As I say, five years <laughs> into it. I, I've always felt like I was uh, out of a fish out of water when it comes to this. I'm not like my family. No one in my family is really mechanically inclined. Like we don't, we aren't a group. We aren't the type of people that grew up working with tools. Like I had to learn it all in the trade. So I, I don't think I have any natural, uh, any kind of intrinsic natural ability to be a talented mm-hmm. tradesperson. I think I just, I, I can make the cut, but I, and by no means is this a calling for me, you know what I mean? But I feel differently about <laughs> yeah. beer, not that much. <laughs> but there's so many breweries popping up yeah. around our city, my city. It's like a brewery every two feet. Like, there's got to be a position. If I wanted to, maybe I could dust off the old, the old rubber gloves and go try and be a cellar hand or something, <laughs> although that would be probably a pretty significant pay cut. Do you ever have to stand in a giant like barrel or like 
cistern of beer? No. Like, you ever have to like stand like in waders and like beer up to like your hips? And like stir it with a giant spoon or something? <laughs> like what do you do? With <laughs> no, the, the most I'll have to do is uh, get into um, where all the grain goes in, all the, all the, uh, God, I just said I know what I'm doing, and now I'm going to expose myself. <laughs> it's been a long time. Busted, motherfucker. But it's where you put the grain in, and then you mix it with water, and then there's like a, a grate at the bottom of it, and it sucks all the wort, it's called, which is like the, the grain-infused water over to the next um, container. And after that, you have to go and dump all the grain out, and then I had to climb in and spray out the remnants of the grain left in there. So that was like the only time I was in like a giant cylinder, uh, which was kind of sketchy, mm-hmm. I guess. They didn't require any sort of confined space tickets or a forklift ticket or a, a, a fall <laughs> arrest ticket. They didn't. I'm telling you, man, that place was a walking oh, lawsuit. Uh, I'm surprised. Why am I surprised? I guess like I I thought it would it would have to be done with more professionalism because of how dangerous it is. But yeah, well, I guess I shouldn't be surprised that a brewery everyone was just shit faced all day. See, the thing is, is that <laughs> this particularly this particular brewery, they were all about cutting costs, but they almost always would pay mm-hmm. for it on the end of it because of the cut. Corners they cut to save money because they would hire people with no experience. The only guy that knew what he was doing was this. Mm. He was a legit brewmaster from Austria, so he came up with all the, the recipes and stuff. But he was really the that beer is disgusting. He was the only one. Yeah, no offense. No offense to your brewmaster. Dude, no, that because that there was no shit. protocols in place, there was no <laughs> consistency batch to batch. So you could get one that tasted great, and then the next one tasted <laughs> disgusting. And also because of where, oh, okay, because okay. of the. It, it was like a retrofitted brewery into this existing warehouse. There wasn't proper filtration systems in, in place. And so we would get wild yeast in our brew right. all the time, which would make it go bad oh, and sour. Okay. Gotcha. And so we, one yeah. summer we had a whole crew hired just to dump out beers that got sent back from retailers. It was crazy. <laughs> you, they, like, they wouldn't hurt you. I remember we had like a, yeah, yeah, we used to come back with wheelbarrows full of beer that we'd be like, we have to drink this in two days or else it's going to turn sour. Yeah. <laughs> wow, what a mission. Yeah, so they, there was no regulation. Any, any given uh, six-pack you buy the shit at the store can taste vastly different than the last one. Uh, mm, interesting. I, but, That's kind of cool. That should be like a selling point. Yeah, it would be great selling point like, if it wasn't. Like it's either going to taste like you're going to taste vinegar or it's going to be good. And uh, yeah, because yeah. they had uh, they had huge like uh, it was just we'd always we'd always have we had a full time scientist there testing every batch because we had contaminated beer nonstop. Just offs. What was his official title? Scientist. Her official title was um, <laughs> her. Her, uh, her name was Rebecca. That's all yeah. I remember. I don't remember lab girls, what we called her. <laughs> yeah. She essentially had to test every single not like beer tester. No. Uh everyone that worked there had only ever only had like a few months experience in a brewery. So it was a bu- it was the blind leading the drunk. <laughs> the blind leading the drunk blind drunk. And uh it was fun, but like I said, once I actually gained like a uh, kind of a management role, it was not funny anymore because now all of the problems became mm. my responsibility. Chaos. 
Terrible. Yeah. Heavy lies the crown. One uh, but, um, one summer we had oh, every yeah, single uh, praying mantis in probably the fucking northern hemisphere come to our brewery to mate. It was just, you could not, they were everywhere. At any point of the day, you would have oh. praying mantises all over you. And they would just be following oh each other God. everywhere in the brewery. And it's like, it's, it's not a good look. You know, it's not it's a, a good look. Mantis orgy. Just be the biggest mantis orgy out there, and it was wild, man. That's pretty cool. It was kind of cool because like you see one prey mantis, and you're like, "This is really neat. Look at this. Look at this little pincher." But if you see thousands of them boning all over your your workplace, you start to feel less cool about them. <laughs> Did the uh, females like decapitate all the males after? So were there tons of like little heads lying around. I didn't see much of that, but. Uh, I did see them like yeah. I saw one because we had a bunch of wasps too because there's always like beer everywhere like sticky beer all over the uh, place. Oh yeah, they're probably all attracted to the smell. Yeah, but so I did see a lot of uh, praying mantis on wasp violence, which was pretty cool. Oh, dope! Um, they got who would win typically? Oh, the praying mantis would win. Oh yeah, yeah I did rip it right now. It was funny because the uh, the man the maintenance <laughs> guy in the building who like maintained all the warehouses. He was like this really, he was kind of like a ethereal ghost type. Like he just appear out of nowhere, like out of the vents, yeah. the type. Of, oh, Jesus. But he would always, like, he, at that point, he would like walk around the corner and he'd look at you and then he'd like throw, he'd have a praying mantis in his hand and he'd toss it at your face and the thing would just catch flight right as it hit you in the forehead and he would laugh. Oh my God. What a dick. It was funny. It was funny. Um, but yeah, just a chaotic job. But like I said, if I was going to get back into it, chances are I would work at a brewery that had rules. <laughs> if I'd have to go into that, go into it. Yeah. Not expecting course. to be able to, you know, shotgun a beer at 7 a.m. on a Friday. <laughs> were, were there any memorable workplace accidents that like really stand oh, out? Oh, yeah. I, I almost died once. <laughs> that was my boss's fault. <laughs> I was out. I, I cracked my. Was he drunk? Cracked my scapula. I don't think so. Actually, I don't think that guy drank at all. Oh shit! It was uh, scapula. Holy yeah, fuck! Uh, there. So there's a giant filtration system uh, that you run the beer through after it's been fermented, and it is it. It it's essentially takes all the. It makes the beer from cloudy to clear essentially. But you also inject mm. CO2 into it during that process. And so at the end of the night, you have to open up all of the valves around to let out the pressure on there. Because uh, you don't want to pressurize fucking filtration system. So my boss was, he was doing a filtration late the night before. He, for some reason, closed all of the valves on the thing and left the CO2 on. So it was building up pressure all night. And I walked in and my first job of the day was to rinse and clean it. And I, if I looked at the right. pressure gauge, I would have seen that it was like maxed out, but I didn't. And I went and I unhooked the clamp to the, one of the hoses and all the hoses have metal ends on each end, the metal pits. As soon as I yeah. loosened the clamp, even a tiny bit, it was like a bomb went off and beer just shh. <laughs> Shot and I had the hose in between my legs. It could have easily came up and ripped my jaw off, or or or, or even worse, ripped my dick off. And it was so loud, oh and beer God. was sprayed literally like fifty feet in the air. And 
I was covered in beer and the hose went crazy. It was just like whipping around like a fire hose and the metal end whipped up and hit me and cracked yeah. my scapula, which is like probably oh the best place it could have hit me. Anywhere else could have been life-changing damage. Uh, so I'm yeah. thankful for that. Holy shit. Another thing was this one didn't hurt anyone, but it was pretty funny is so the, the the way that the can, there's a big cage that you put a big, probably 10 foot stack of empty cans on, right? It's like a, there, there's like 10 layers of empty cans, big squares, layers, right? So imagine just like a big, big uh, rectangular pillar that's all empty cans. You shove it into this cage and then they come off layer by layer onto a conveyor belt and get filled up, right? So we had. Okay. So if you had three of those stacked on each other, ah, so they make the can first. Okay. Yeah, the can comes empty with no lid on it, and it, you ship it down through the canning line. So if you stack three of these things on top of each other, it's probably fifty feet tall, right? So in the one warehouse we have, the entire warehouse is full of empty cans, and they're stacked three high. So it's essentially like a giant labyrinth in there, like huge pillars of can of empty cans, and Whoa, sounds like an alcoholic's nightmare. It was... Uh, Just trapped in a labyrinth. So one day my boss says, can you go get us some cans from the next warehouse? And I, you know, I've been drinking. Uh, everybody had. It's fucking it was crazy there. And I was like, okay, can I use the uh, propane forklift that was being used? So I had to use the electric forklift. Now... The thing about electric motors is that it's instant torque, right? It's got a ton of torque. It's like instant to the tire. So if you when you touch that that gas pedal, it is like instant start and speed, right? That's why Teslas are so fast. Right. Uh, so I get my forks up. I'm trying to lift down a stack of two from one. So I'm going from the middle of the stack, trying to lift up, back up, lower down two stacks on top of each other. Needless to say, I touched the reverse. And it jolts, and I drop the one stack. So about thirty foot high stack, and I shit you not, like <laughs> slow motion, like a scene out of <laughs> out of uh, Indiana Jones. Like imagine a bunch of pillars, like monolithic pillars, just slowly falling into each other, and then going and hitting the next one like a bunch of dominoes. That happened to me uh, with all these empty cans. <laughs> But I will say, I told my boss that I wasn't comfortable. They were, they were empty, though. They were empty. empty. I wasn't comfortable doing it, but okay. it was still a ton of damaged product. And uh, I did tell him that I wasn't comfortable doing it. And he said, no, you can do it. You can do it. Hey. And, uh, of course, I fucked it up. And then, Jesus. so to make it worse is that he still tried to feed all these cans through the canning line. And, and uh. when the can gets sealed with its lid, it spins really fast for a beer. If it's not perfectly... If the cylinder of the can isn't perfectly symmetrical, it'll collapse and explode the can just because of its in the strength. <laughs> <laughs> so the person in the canning line is sitting there literally getting fucked. Every time a dented can comes down, it explodes in their face. It was just, <laughs> I just dented like thousands of cans, but they needed to save the money. So they just kept feeding them through the canning line. And every time I could hear one explode in someone's face, the whole canning crew would just look over <laughs> at me and fucking piss. Oh my God, that's hilarious. Yeah. That place sounds like an absolute. Oh, I killed an entire new batch of brew. They can, because... shoot, they can make a TV show. So, like, that. another thing is, I. <laughs> We use caustic to clean all the tanks. 
And uh, caustic is like, it's like caustic? a really base uh, chemical, so like the opposite of acid. But it feels like it's burning your skin. Oh, okay. real. Gotcha. It feels like acid burning you when it hits you, right? Dangerous stuff. We get it on our. It would we would all go through our work boots like a brand new pair in a few months because of this shit being everywhere, right? It would just chew right through. Jesus Christ! And uh, the only way to neutralize it, which is also funny, is to is to is to put acid on it. So whenever someone would get uh, huh. the caustic on them, the first thing you have to do is go find some beer and dump it on you because our beer was super acidic. <laughs> so I mean, you'd sometimes you'd see someone get some in their eye or whatever, and they'd have to just grab the nearest can of beer and dump it all over their face. So like, this is the type of workplace. Jesus Christ! So I'm using, I'm making a brew. He's burning. <laughs> Pour a beer on him. Yeah. I'm one night I'm working on my own. I'm the only one in the brewery, and I'm I'm doing the last brew. There's this new brew. We're not putting it out for production yet. We're just testing a test group. Um. Or actually, no, they were. This was going to be the first batch that they were going to bottle. And so there's four huge uh, uh, containers in the brew house that are for each stage of brewing. So I was putting the brew through the last stage in the last cylinder. And I started to get, a, I wanted to get ahead of the game and clean all these things with the caustic uh, as I was shipping that last brew down the line to a fermentation tank. But I forgot. So I started running the caustic through the one tank I wasn't in. That wasn't using, but I forgot to close a valve that connected the two, so there was caustic going into the brew. <laughs> oh my! God. And I'm like, I'm not going to say anything. And then I go home and I Google like, will this kill people? They try to drink it, and it's like, uh, it's just, Jesus! Like, it was like I didn't get a very clear answer. Um, so I'm just sitting there. I'm like, fuck oh, this. So my boss. He's looking at this fermentation tank for like a month, like just bewildered that it hasn't started fermenting yet. Like it was almost as if the yeast is dead. <laughs> oh my God. So like two months later, they're like, why is this not fermenting? Like what happened? Uh, and then it did start. It did start fermenting and they did end up bottling it. And I drank the first bottle <laughs> and I was fine. Oh my god! And I did more research, and they're like, uh, if it does ferment, like if the fermentation starts happening, the CO two created will neutralize the, uh, the the caustic in there, so it would be safe. But I would made sure I was the yeah. first one. Did it I taste good? Yeah, it tasted amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, you invented yeah, a new. They method. couldn't actually replicate it <laughs> the second time, and I was too scared to tell them my secret ingredients. <laughs> they could never figure out how to make it. <laughs> How to make it again. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, you have to kill all the yeast except for one sole yeast molecule that eventually re- replicates itself. And it starts, yeah. Anyways, it was delicious. And, but shit like that happened all the time. Uh-huh. It was just a weird, weird work. It's one of those things where it's like, I think back at it and it's like almost as if it was like some sort of hidden camera TV show. Just the, the people working there and the shit that would go down. It was always just too bizarre to be normal. <laughs> it's this show. In, it's like a hit show in Russia. Yeah. Or something. Like I was the it's Truman just... Brewman. Yeah. The Truman Brewman. <laughs> yeah. What I'm saying is, I think I'm just bad at all my jobs. <laughs> but I, I'm better than like... Mm. You know, your average bloke, so I somehow make it to 
a level of management and then I just start fucking. But that's how I feel with my trade right now. I just feel like I can make I can I I can make it happen, but I'm also not built for that. Hey, it's not about me. Well, how talk about you? Like fit. <laughs> um well I'm starting my second semester of the paralegal program. Yeah. We are underway. Nice. I just dropped over a thousand dollars on textbooks oh, for one semester. That is a, that's yeah. literally criminal. It is. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. Is it going to be worth it? What kind of job can you get after this? Uh, you can become a paralegal. Nice. So you can do paralegal work. Probably charge like get paid like seventy five bucks an hour. Holy starting shit! Out. What do you need to take that course? Fuck the brewery yeah. thing. <laughs> you need a uh, well to get into the course. You already need a bachelor's degree. Ugh. Can't go back to university at the age of thirty. Or uh, yeah. Or you have to like complete a law clerk program at a community college. <sighs> well. <laughs> I'm lost. I'm lost out here. But you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm still enjoying my life. Still enjoying my life. Yeah. Well, hey, lots of breweries. Like you could go apply. Yeah, easy. I know. That would be a significant pay cut to start um, for sure. But mm. yeah. You know what? Maybe I should just keep bouncing back and forth between electrical and being a brewery and then uh, brew, uh, brew hand. And I don't know. Open my first. Can you do that, or do you have to like stay in practice? Uh, what do you mean? Like my ticket is valid. Uh, like, I think. Would you forget how to electrician? No, probably not. Uh, not the not a, not when it comes to like houses. It's pretty once you get it, pretty ingrained. I might have to get updated on the current mm-hmm. code because that changes every every once right. in a while, every like two years or some shit. Um. But, you know, it's one of those things. That's why they call it a dream because you can go around and work all around the country because it's like you'll be able to get a job anywhere. Mm. But great job for a serial killer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or you can get paid <laughs> to be a serial killer. That would be great. Uh, join the ah, army. Yeah. Get a point. You got a point. <laughs> I should be a warlord. <laughs> No, I, yeah. I I knew um, going into the trade that I wasn't going to be doing it forever. Like I I just knew that it was uh, sort of like a, a really solid plan B, but I don't have yet. So like sort of my sit in plan. Mm. But it's a good uh good good little security well, net if I ever fail at everything else. Yeah, yeah, it is a good trade to have. Uh, um, so what do you think? about getting into this listener mailbag. Okay, well, we haven't really got any new ones, but we didn't read two of them last week, so let's pop one okay. open here. See what it says. Okay, this is from a uh, concerned listener. Dear producers of the Philosopher's oh, wow. Stone, I'm curious where you rank yourself on the quality of life scale used to determine your position in the vaccine queue. This is a reference to a previous episode we had about um, the ethics of equitable vaccine distribution. 
I'm guessing he's referring to something we mm -hmm. talked about, the quality of scale, of life scale. The quality adjusted life yeah, here? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Where do we where do we yeah. rank ourselves? So it's a, where, when do you think you deserve to get the the vaccine, Sam? Okay, well, to recap, the quality adjusted life year scale is a zero to one scale. Right. And it is the number of and it is supposed to represent the lowest is zero, the highest is one, and it's like zero point one, zero point two, up to one. And one represents one year lived in top health. Like one year of your life lived with your total possible health. And zero means you're dead. Right. Um, yeah. So where would I be on that scale? I don't know. I'm probably pretty, I'm, I'm pretty healthy. I'd say I'm probably at like a one on that scale. I'm pretty healthy. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm. What about, what about you? Um, I don't have any I don't have any like conditions that mean like I can't live my life, like I can't physically do whatever I want to do, like to an extent, like I can't go climb Mount Everest or something. So if you're one, so I would be a one, even though I'm like physically not impressive, but I'm not unhealthy. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, like. Like a point four would be like you had a spinal injury and you can. What like, about my bunion? You I can't do massive certain things. Massive bunion anymore. on my toe. Does that knock me down a point? Maybe point nine. Oh, God, depends how much it affects your life. Like, are there? Are there? Do you find yourself thinking like, "Oh, I wish I could do that, but can't because of my bunion"? No, no, no. No. Okay, then you're probably one. You have to have like something that is like. I think the idea is you have to have something that is like inhibiting you from doing certain things. Okay. And that's where it can get controversial because someone could be in a wheelchair and they'd be like, well, I don't feel inhibited at all. And um, Yeah. Uh, what about just lack of strength in general? <laughs> like you find yourself being like, oh, man, I wish I could pick that thing up. And then you, you can't. Pick yeah, it up. that happens a lot. I don't even try to pick it up most times. Um, I just write it off. As yeah, a well, I guess that's interesting, right? Because, like, let's see here. Is it, uh, if we're talking, your... like, someone that's peak physical condition with no injuries. Which, I'm, mm -hmm. that actually might just be a rare occurrence. Because usually people that get themselves into peak physical ability are, like, athletic to some degree and have injuries from their life athleticism. So, a little bit of a catch-22. Yeah. Yeah, like, being an, an athlete isn't, like... Uh like healthy, like you can't really sustain that level of intensity. Yeah, I think we long. talked about that on that episode. So maybe we are yeah. right in that Goldilocks zone to consider ourselves a one because we don't, I mean, I don't have any sort of ailments or I don't even have medication or anything. Right? Completely self-medicated. Yeah, like one year, of, yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, you can, um, you can expand the scale to not just like what you can do. Like you can look at like you can look at the scale just as like in terms of your bodily health, but you could also look at the scale in terms of your other opportunities that are afforded to you because of your wealth and the society in which right. you live. So, a, so in, like there's some so like one way to look at it, you could say like the wealthy person would have the higher score because one year of their life 
is like they have the most opportunity and freedom to do what they want to do. I see, I see, I see. So what you're trying to say is we're yeah. going to be at so you can expand the, the scale back of the line for this vaccine where we are. We're not high risk. Oh, yeah. But we're also yeah. not contributors. <laughs> we're not like... Uh, no, we're probably, we should be like pretty close to the last on the list. Like young, fit people, like relatively healthy yeah. people in, um, in a wealthy society. Like we are the least vulnerable when it comes to the disease. So we should feel be vulnerable. at the very bottom of the list. Emotionally. <laughs> You're only a threat in that, like people like us are really only a threat in the sense that we are the most likely to transmit ah, it. So we are the problem. So there's an argument that we should be at the we're, front yeah, of the we're line, out, right? Because control. we're the least yeah. responsible. <laughs> or um, because we're the most responsible? I mean, we're the most likely to break uh, protocol and spread the virus, right? That's how they should determine you. Oh, yeah. So just like... Yeah, These guys yeah, aren't going to stay in, in, They're not going to... They're going to go out and hang out with people. Let's get it to them first. They, just, they can't be stopped, you know? Like a pack of wild horses out there. <laughs> I think they're they're banking on just yeah. I think they're banking on just get the elderly done first yeah. and the hospital workers and then worry about all the I, I the keep rabble. reading like people get coming like <laughs> that recover from it that had mild symptoms and then like months later they can barely breathe, like freaking out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but then there's always I'm always getting oh, my information. Yeah, we're very low risk. Like the comment section of Reddit. So there's always if I just keep scrolling down enough. Oh, bad place. If I keep scrolling down enough, <laughs> place I will always find a comment that, that is the opposite. And then I just choose to believe that that person right? like fall asleep later. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, yeah, like statistically, we are the, the least at risk. I think, or maybe children are even less at risk. I think children are probably going to be the last. Yeah. 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 Especially if they can't drive then, themselves, um, yeah. right? Yeah. No one's delivering a vaccine. <laughs> what, why, what, if the kids can't drive yeah, themselves? Like if, we, if we left it, if it was really a true free for all, kids would be last at everything, right? They don't have any autonomy. Oh, because <laughs> they're yeah. so slow? They get tired so yeah. easily? <laughs> Their little lungs. I could I could never go on hikes when I was a kid. I would just died. Like how I could I couldn't walk very far. Like up a hill, like up a mountain. Yeah. It was so bad. I uh I thought I had it. I thought I had it because I went for a run the other day and I was immediately winded. <laughs> oh shit. Damn. I think that's just generally you have bad cardio. Yeah. Oh, you need to push through that wall. Hang on one second, Sam. I what is this? What's going uh, on? I've made a severe mistake. I made a severe mistake. You didn't start recording, did you? I did, but I had my. I was recording through the wrong mic. You son of a bitch! On our twentieth. Episode. Uh, is it really? Yeah, this is our 20th episode. Official. Official. Hang on, I'm plugging it in right now. This is, this is great. We, we've almost... We will never... <laughs> the, the technical difficulties will oh. never end. 
Well, now it's good. So uh, half of it, half of this, most of this podcast is going to have shit audio for me. Yeah, I was wondering why it sounded so Oh, you think I could get it together after this point, but I just, I don't know. I don't know, guys. See, this is what I'm talking about. Just incompetency ruining my life. Mm. Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, God. Can you hear me? Oh, shit. What's happening now? What's going on? Did you Speak to up? me, Sam. Okay. Oh. No, we're good. All right. So, quality is going to be shit for <laughs> the first bit of this podcast on my end, unfortunately. The first bit. The first 37 minutes. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> hey, that that's sucks. okay. That's what people are here for. They're not here for slick production. They're here for the nitty gritty, the real, the podcast Veritas. Yeah. This is it. This is it. This is John Cassavetti's well, style podcasting. It's, it's well, if anyone's still listening to this episode, <laughs> if they've powered through that terrible audio. I'm, you're going to come through crystal clear, so you're, that's good. That's good. In comparison to you, I'm going to sound really good. Yeah. We are, <laughs> uh, we run a tight ship here, fellas. Let's move tight. on to this next uh, email. This one going to be, uh, going to be read to you in uh, surround sound audio provided oh my God. by uh, actually having give the, a, you should give the email a quick sp- screening before you read it in case it's just like a litany of like racism <laughs> well i just hope not case. because this is from a family member of mine oh boy questions they, on you never know <laughs> questions on toxic masculinity oh god wondering if i could have some thoughts on this consider most people who commit suicide are male three to t- five times more than female Most people who are prisoners are male, around 90%, according to this person. Most people who are homeless are male, which I can, uh, you know, if you look around, it's pretty true. Uh, Not at all suggesting or making a case that men suffer more than women. Uh, Question is, Toxic, his question, he's formatted this email very strangely. Question. Mm -hmm. Is toxic masculinity a factor in suicide, prisoner, homeless rates for men? So, so, so to what extent? If there are cultural factors to these rates, what are they? Are men born more aggressive than women? Or is aggression something that is generally taught to be acceptable and natural for men? Is dick measuring, literal and metaphorical, etched into our brains? So okay, so what does he mean? What does he mean by toxic masculinity? What does that mean? Essentially, like, like your typical that? aggro male. You know what I mean? Like the okay. the the yeah. man that has very little control over his uh, inner, I don't know, ape. I guess you could say. Is douche? Yeah, douche. yeah. Toxic masculinity okay. is is uh, is 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 definitely related to uh, douchebaggery on some level, mm. but I guess yeah. his. Um, his question is, is toxic masculinity or the, uh, a different way to phrase that is the, uh, the need to be seen as some sort of alpha, I guess. Mm. Okay. Is that, well, I don't think the need to be seen as an alpha causes people to become homeless. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, you could be right about that. Um, Unless they have like insane gambling. I don't know. Yeah. But I think it's probably more. Yeah. At least that one, I don't think you could say like typical. Like home, homeless people have never struck me. Homeless people are rarely like toxically aggressive. So, like, yeah, never, I think. What at least to me, like I don't know what women's experiences. Are. I think what he's trying to say is like the societal pressure for men to always be like the stoic, strong figure that shows no emotion. Is that a factor in why it's disproportionately men who are prisoners, homeless, or committing suicide because we are not allowed or it's not as socially acceptable to essentially like reveal your in your inner uh yeah thoughts okay. and feelings. Well okay, at least so so for the suicide one, that one I've I like I understand like men are more successful at committing suicide, but what is the stat for attempts? Because I think one one argument I've heard like for why the discrepancy is so vast is that when men choose to kill themselves, they typically choose a method that is very simple and very effective, like shooting themselves in the head or something like that. But it's usually mm-hmm. very violent. Whereas yeah. women tend to choose like a nonviolent method, like sleeping pills or something like that, which are less likely to succeed. Yeah. Uh, I wonder why they would choose that. Like, why? Because if it's so, it's such a toss up, you know what I mean? Yeah. Anytime I hear about someone trying to kill themselves with sleeping pills, it doesn't work. <laughs> That's just. Well, yeah, what, they're like, they just make you go to sleep. Why would they kill you? I guess they slow your heart down uh, enough that you die, but. Um, well, I'm, I mean, I'm sure that it does work. It's just that the ones I hear about are failed attempts. It's like the same, uh, it's like caffeine pills. You can kill yourself with caffeine pills. You don't even need them. That would not be a death I would want. Holy, have you ever drank too much coffee (laughs) and then like literally just like start hallucinating? Yeah, just so like jittery. (laughs) It's like you're just so so wired that like your your brain is is like reverting to like its lizard form. (laughs) Or it's just over over analyzing every single stimulus. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, back to the, I think, so I'm, I'm reading this article on the BBC about it and uh, it's interesting in that um, like not only is there a higher suicide rate, but there's also a much higher alcoholism rate, like drug addiction. Um, yeah. Things like that. All those rates are much higher for men than for women. And why so, is that? And so what, what, why what do you think that? contributes to that? Is it because... well. I'm not a doctor, but let me give you my opinion. You're not a doctor? <laughs> what the fuck are we even doing here then? <laughs> well, this is like not a philosophy question. This is a... Uh, That's true. This is like a human is, public health question. This is more of like a biology question. Yeah, a cultural question. I guess it could be like there's like the culture answer, which is that men are, uh, don't have good outlets for emotion, and so they turn to substances or... That I, I believe is true like because anytime you were a young boy and you, uh, I don't know, you decided to share what you were feeling to your friends, you were immediately called gay. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> and that carries on to adulthood too. Like for the that would most be nice. part, that would be a nice word. Well, if you ever been around a group of girls that are hanging out that are friends, a lot of times they will. The, the the focus of discussion will touch on their feelings about 
things, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Feelings, not opinions. Men, mm-hmm. when they hang out and talk, they're giving their opinions on stuff, but they're not, they don't really talk about how things make them feel. Not in any no. way that isn't exaggerated for humor, for humor's purpose, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, when's yeah. the last time you really sat down with a friend and, like, had a real heart-to-heart? Like, it's probably, you know, it's, it's a rare occurrence between men, for the most part. Yeah, I think, yeah, like, probably the last time I did that, I was probably on, like, MDMA or something. <laughs> yeah, that. Drugs will, will bring it out of you, for sure. I feel much more comfortable talking to women about those type of things than I do to mm-hmm. men. Even if yeah. I'm, even if I yeah. barely know the person, I, if it's a woman, I would way be, I'd be, I think that that's probably pretty typical for most dudes. Like they're way more willing to talk about their feelings to a female than it to another male. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another option is the bottle. The bottle. Yeah. If you don't feel just your numb. feelings, just then you don't numb. have to talk about yeah. it. Man. <laughs> exactly. It's brilliant. You destroy the feelings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, then, then those behaviors that you use to, um, deal with your inability to express emotions, those negative behaviors in turn end up causing you to go to prison, become homeless, kill yourself. Yeah. And I think that's what his point is, is that, yeah. is that lack of ability to uh, express what you're feeling because of the society, society's norm. Is that leading men to do these things or be more susceptible to these things? I think it's probably a, a definitely a variable in the, in the equation. Is it a social norm though? Like, is that a social norm or is that just something about like our nature that we can't change? It's definitely a social norm. I guess we can't really be a social that. norm because yeah. of the nature. I don't know. Like you think it was different in the past? Like, or it seems to me like this must have always been true. Like, it feels like, I mean, I'm sure that there were some very touchy feely uh, open uh, cultures back. I mean, at some point, but if you look at history, men are always uh, in the, just because of our physical attributes we are naturally mm-hmm. put in the defense and aggression roles throughout history you know what i mean mm-hmm. and there ain't no room for feelings on the battlefield you know what i'm saying no definitely not the only feeling you should have is courage <laughs> i was gonna say bloodlust but i think they're the same thing on, bloodlust, the yeah. on the battlefield those are the same thing they're, they're similar yeah well i think courage is like overcoming or like doing the right thing, yeah, in the face of danger. Whereas bloodlust is uh, just uninhibited violence. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I think it is a mixture of. I think it is a biological uh, thing that is exacerbated by the social norm that it caused. It's not necessary, mm-hmm. but it seems to be the way it works out naturally. Yeah. But they say but, therapy is not, good not for men because of this exact thing. Because they, they can finally talk to someone about their feelings without having to be feel exposed to their... Uh, like, that they're exposing themselves as weak to other men around. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's definitely a good thing that's helped many people. Yeah. Have you ever done therapy? I think, yeah, I did like two sessions and 
I didn't really like it that much. No, yeah, I've always wondered like how does it even like open up? Like I don't even know what the first step of a therapy session would be like. Like, do they just ask you well, why like you're? You, yeah, they ask you like, why are you here? Are you a suicide risk? Like stuff like that, and then uh, ah. and then you just tell them why you're there, and then it's like, okay, well, great conversation. I'll have another meeting, and then um, you do another meeting, and you like just like keep talking, and then they also do um, this cognitive behavioral therapy thing where you have to like hold these sticks or something, uh-huh. and like try to like hypnotize yourself basically, um, and. And then I just felt like it just felt so impersonal to me. I didn't and, and like it. Like it just felt weird. So it was too clinical. Like they were just going by the. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just like oh okay, I'm just like dishing to this person who like isn't my friend, doesn't care about me. Right. Like, why should I be doing this? Well, I I, I so hear a lot about the like bad therapy. Like bad therapists are terrible for you, but good therapists are great for you. You know what I mean? Like. Mm. Yeah. I'm not someone that thinks... Yeah, this one like just like read from a script. <laughs> it was brutal. Yeah. yeah. It, I don't want them to be going like, down do you feel a like checklist, this? you like know? This. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, she just went down a checklist. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've just I I've thought I've considered going to therapy, but I I feel like I wouldn't it would I don't know how much benefit I'd get from it. Probably a lot, but I I just don't feel like I have enough I feel like a fraud going there. Like I don't, I, 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 ha, I think I have like a normal range of anxiety and problems that like is, yeah, doesn't really require outside attention. But I don't know. Maybe I can. Yeah, that's what I've always felt like. Yeah, I always felt like there's better ways to deal with, with things than just like going and talking to a stranger. About yeah. It. Who knows? One day Honestly, I might get like, into it. Really see what I can know. see if they can. I don't know. Unlock some hidden potential deep within, but I doubt it. <laughs> You're Matilda. You move things with your mind. Yeah. <laughs> so what else was in this in the question? Well, the question is essentially what we've just been talking about: is why are males more likely to commit suicide, be imprisoned, or be homeless? And Oh yeah, it's because they're driven to destructive behaviors. It's because they can't talk about their feelings. That's what he's asking. To what extent is that, <laughs> or what extent is a is it just a natural a uh, natural attribute? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's like just can't talk about your feelings. Like, because then the question is, why can't you talk about your feelings? And it's like, oh, it's society. Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's it's really like tied to pride things like that. Who knows? It's it's uh, yeah. I, I, I think it's probably more to do with uh, your personality than with society. Like, if you feel like you can talk about your feelings, then you will talk. If you feel like you should, then I think you you will. But most men don't. I, I think most you, men do not talk yourself. about their feelings. Yeah, yeah. To other men, and is yeah. that a societal thing? Is that yeah. just because it's like that's what we're trying to figure get to the bottom of here? Is is it a natural mm-hmm. thing that men just naturally don't do that or is it would they do it more if it was uh acceptable in society like personally i don't find myself yearning to express my feelings to people day to day i just no. i don't no i i am totally fine yeah. processing There's, my own yeah. emotions uh, privately yeah i think the decision to 
yeah, it's one thing not to want to talk about your feelings. It's another thing not to um, make the right decision about how to deal with them in another way. Right. Like there are constructive ways to deal with things like depression besides going to therapy, right? Like first of all, medication can be big for some yeah. people. And then there's other things that you can do as well. And so the decision to do a destructive behavior to deal with that suppressed emotion, that is caused by something else. Like that, that's a bad decision. So the, the question is, why do so many men make the bad decision mm-hmm. in choosing how to deal with their feelings? So let's make that the question like then here at the end of this like podcast that. episode that only has half of good quality. Why, what would be your, your guess as to why it's all men, it, that it's mostly men that is doing these things? Make the bad decisions? Suicide, um, imprisonment, pro- homelessness. Why is it mostly male? Like, what is, what do you think? Because why, so you're saying, yeah, why are men making all these bad decisions as opposed to women? I think it's, um, like, some women will, like, also deal with it in bad ways. Like, women are a lot more likely to, like, cut themselves, I think, than men. Yeah. But. Um, I feel like women have, like, anyway, they have their um, own set of problems they gotta, that they deal with, obviously, but. Yeah. <laughs> it is kind of strange yeah. that uh do you think that there's just more, more more men that are homeless because it's easier for women to essentially convince one someone to shelter them? Mm. I don't know. Um I think it's just like I think people make bad decisions in large part because of the environment where they grew up and that the their parents and everyone around them also made bad decisions. But that doesn't and that they, doesn't answer the question as to why it's mostly men. Well, it makes it um because I, th- I think oh okay, right. Well, okay. So I think well, I think it's like they both make bad decisions, but men's bad decisions tend to be more just self-destructive. Mm. Like besides like the cutting and things like that. Um Right. But uh, but why is it more men? Maybe men are more. I think men are just more generally more reckless, more risky. They're they seem. I think, I think they is, go to. Ex- I, I think, think they go to the extreme more, a lot. Fuck, I hate these questions. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I think men tend to. It's a combination of environmental and uh, nature nurture. How about that? Ah, you're gonna throw <laughs> that old thing at us, eh? Okay. Yeah, let's say it's both. Let's say it's a bit of both, okay? <laughs> I guess you're right that a, a man will, they, like, so I'll put it this way and see if you can tell if you agree if this is kind of what you're saying is that men, both men and women suffer from depression and drug addiction and commit crimes at the same rate, but men mm-hmm. tend to take it to the extreme far more often. So they. Oh, no, no, no. It's because, yeah, partially, partially that, but also because. Women have women can have a better way to deal with their feelings, which is just by talking. Right. So you, you're agreeing that toxic masculinity to, does have a have part to, do part to play with yeah. that with these statistics. I don't think it's toxic. I think it is. It's only toxic if you make a toxic decision about how to deal with the right your inability to express your feelings. That's where the toxicity comes in. Deciding to like not deal with your feelings by like going out and like assaulting people and stealing their money and stuff. I see. I see. Like that's okay. So then, then the deeper question that is harder to, that is the nature nurture question is why do men do the toxic decision? 
some men make the toxic decision, other men don't make a toxic decision. So why do the ones who make the toxic decision make the toxic decision? Mm-hmm. And there, it's like, it seems like it's a nature nurture thing. I see, I see, I see. Like they're in a bad environment to begin with. And you're also like, as a male, you're primed to respond to a bad environment by becoming bad yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, there you is adapt, a little bit more world, right? uh, aggressive nature to men. I think that's pretty, I don't know. Is, that's biological. Yeah, bio, that, that's the biological factor. So when, like yeah. you said, when, when intense emotions uh, are brought up in a man, their reaction to those is usually going to be... In a red-blooded man. It's probably going to be more reckless and extreme than the way female would react to it. Yeah, they're going to need to... They can't deal with the feeling by talking about it, so they do something. So they have to decide some other way to deal right. with it. And if they were in a bad environment to begin with, the way they would probably see people dealing with it was through destructive mechanisms. And so that's the one that they go with. But not everybody, because some people see that and still like can get out of it and make good, make better decisions about how to deal with mm. things. But. But I think, yeah, I think it's like your your nature is one way. Like you have the nature to be more aggressive naturally. And so then when you're placed in a bad environment and then you can't deal with, you know, terrible things that happen, you choose the more aggressive, destructive way to deal with it. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, that That's our completely non-qualified yeah, opinion. That, well, this is the Philosopher's Stone <laughs> podcast, okay? If you want actual scientists and yeah. uh, people with uh, <laughs> expertise in these uh, issues, you can listen to other podcasts. But this is what we think. And thanks for so much for writing in. If, again, if you want to write into the podcast, it is tpspodcast420 at gmail.com. Keep them coming. Our listeners are through the goddamn <laughs> roof, right, Sam? We got about 17,000 now. Is that what you said? Uh, 17,001, I think. Wow. Uh, no, it's probably yeah. less than 17. But we still love each and every one of you. Uh, thanks for listening. Good night. Goodbye. <laughs>